it's a people-driven, relationship-fueled position to, to hold. It's a position of honour to actually hold this position as the strength and conditioning coach of a team, irrespective of what team and what sport. Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Mike Koval. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a very brief recap of what is new in my world, what's going on this week, and then I have a deep thought for you with a very timely and relevant sports analogy. So, without any further ado, let's jump in. What's happening, man? First off, People ask me a lot about training. I don't talk a lot about my own training uh, for good reason. It's not super exciting. I'm not like pushing crazy heavy weights, at least for me anymore. But man, the body's feeling good. Got a really sound training program in place for myself. Feeling muscles I have not felt in years. And if you're interested in the methods behind the madness or why I do the things that I'm doing, make sure you're subscribed and you follow me on the gram. Rob Train Systems. I'm doing this new thing there where I just get tired of seeing people just randomly post exercises. So instead of just randomly posting exercises, I'm basically doing like a weekly breakdown of, hey, here is a training day. And I do like a compilation video so you can see all the lifts that I do. And then each day I'm breaking down why I do specific lifts, like what the intent is, what the focus is. And I even break it down and show you that even though it This is the internet. We're not always putting our best foot forward and I make mistakes. My technique isn't perfect. So I'm doing this little piece at the end of every post that I just call coach's eye. So you can see what I see when I'm coaching another client or in this case myself. So very excited about training, excited about this little Instagram thing I got going too with these posts. So definitely check it out if you haven't already. What else? The complete coach certification. I know I mentioned this a while back, but now accredited for 2.0. Yes, that's correct. 2.0 or essentially a full year of NSCA CEUs. So beyond excited that we got that accredited. I know it's a huge deal right now because people are leery about traveling or maybe not leery about traveling, but you don't want to go to a course. So excited that from the comfort of your own home, you can get what I consider to be a pretty darn good continuing education credential. So this week I am working on getting all of those diplomas and CEUs sent out. Now, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but (laughs) Not one aspect of this process has been simple. First off, I got this really beautiful diploma, loved how it looked, and then, you know, I'm behind. I haven't sent out diplomas, so basically had to mail merge and learn how to mail merge in pages. Well, okay, so that's great. So I mail merged these 70-some documents, and these are just the people that have passed the quiz. There's hundreds of people that are in the midst of the course that haven't passed the quiz yet, so this is only going to get magnified. But I figured out how to mail merge, so that's easy enough, but then all the pages that it creates are still in a pages document. Well, Kinko's doesn't take pages documents. They need PDFs, so I have to go through each individual one and turn it into a PDF. So you can imagine doing that 70 times. Then I have to go in to the NSCA CEU document and I have to manually type in everybody's name. Except there's this weird thing where if I just type their name in, there's this weird gray box on the page. So I have to act like I'm going to print it, turn off two-sided printing, cancel it, start it again, 
and then it works and it looks the way that it's supposed to. So it has been cumbersome to say the least, not to mention, I mean, I haven't even stuffed all of these things yet, nor have I taken them to the post office. I can only imagine how much I'm going to ship or how much I'm going to get charged and postage because I've got these, you know, super rigid envelopes that are made for pictures because I don't want them to get bent. I printed this on really nice paper. Like I want these diplomas to look awesome. So long story short, those should all be going out this week, if not early next week at the latest, but really excited to bring all that to fruition. And man, the people that have supported me on this course, I want it to look legit. Like, I mean, I didn't spare any cost when it came to getting the materials produced, you know, pay Paul really good money to make sure the videos look great. So excited that this final piece will be in place. So anybody that has passed the course, you will be getting your certificate in the mail very shortly. Last thing for last week, Kiddo Sports, they're they're kind of cruising along. At this point, we're in the, the midst of our winter sports season. Kendall's just playing indoors, so she's just got one day of soccer a week. Kate is in basketball, so he's got practice and a game each week. He's also playing indoor now, so that's one game on the weekends. But big news for that guy, man, he is a good little shooter, but also a little bit gun shy, which I never understood. You know, these people that are like really good shooters and then don't want to shoot the ball. I never understood that because I was just an average shooter and I wanted to shoot more. But, you know, super excited for that guy this weekend because he got not only his first, but also his second bucket in a game. So he was on cloud nine. So proud of himself. Two swishes too, man, like nothing but net. So really excited for him. He had an awesome weekend, feeling great about himself. Big day tomorrow. Miss Kendall, believe it or not, turns 10. I mean, this is mind blowing to think about. I was reminiscing today when we brought her home and I would hold her literally in the crook of my forearm. I'd carry her around like a football. And to think about her being 10 years old now is just crazy, crazy to imagine, but super excited to have just a really fun week with her. We got all kinds of good things planned, party this weekend, special dinner. We're going to make her whatever she wants for breakfast on her birthday. So very, very excited about all that. So yeah, that pretty much covers what's new. Now, I did promise you a timely and relevant sports analogy that I think carries over very well to life as well. And as we are going through this basketball game on Saturday, like our basketball team, our boys team is not great, right? Like if we're just being realistic, there are some teams out there that are very good, very advanced. We have this hodgepodge mix of boys and that's fine. Like that's the point of this. And it's frustrating when you see these teams that are already like trying to stack the deck in first and second grade. It's about development. Anyway, so as we're, we're playing this game on Saturday, it was crazy, but our boys made more baskets in this one game than they had in the entire season. Now, you're probably thinking, oh, well, maybe they got better. No, they didn't get that much better. But it reminds me of something that is very true in basketball. And that is this simple fact. When you're playing the game of basketball, and if you've ever watched a basketball game where like everything goes in, like it's very easy to look good when you're making all your shots. You could be making a lot of mistakes on other ends of the court. You could be missing defensive assignments. You could be fouling too much. You could be having all these mental lapses. But it's amazing how much better everything looks and feels when you're making shots. And I think this carries over very easily to life as well. Like when things are easy, man, everything 
goes easy, right? You know, a little bit more pep in your step. You feel more rested when you wake up. It's like you hit the easy button in every aspect of your life. But the converse is true as well. And that's really where I want to go with this. You know, in basketball, like you could be doing everything right. You could be executing your offense flawlessly, making all the right reads, you know, playing lockdown defense. The team's no chance they're going to score, right? But you always look worse when shots aren't going in. And so I ask you to think about this in life or in sports when things are or are not going your way. Because a lot of times, if you have the right processes in place, you're doing all the right things. You may not always get the outcome that you want, but that's okay, right? Eventually, the outcome will take care of itself in life. It doesn't always in basketball, right? We all have those games where like you're doing everything right. You can't make shots, therefore you lose. But I think that happens a lot less in life. When you have your systems, when you have your processes and your procedures in place and you're executing on those game plans, eventually the outcome takes care of itself. So I want you to think about that. Next time things are cruising along and it feels like you hit the easy button, great. Is it because you're doing the right things or things just kind of falling in place versus, hey, you know, the outcomes aren't necessarily hitting the way that you want, but man, all those processes are in place. You're hitting all the things that you need to be hitting. You're just not quite hitting the mark with your outcome yet. So like I said, a little bit of a sports analogy today, but you know, there are times in life where everything's hitting, but you're not necessarily doing the things that you need to. And there's other times where you're doing all the right things, but you're not getting the outcome that you want. So do your best, set the processes, set the procedures and the systems in place so that ultimately you get the outcomes that you want. Okay. That's enough for me. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into this awesome new episode with my guy, Mike Koval. It seems like almost every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who was frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if this sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is going to take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. The exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym, from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. And last but not least, I've added an entire section on my assessment process and how to use that to write programs faster and more effectively than ever before. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the certification is all about. Now, here's the thing. Spots for the certification will open twice per year for a limited time only. If you're interested in learning more, my next certification will launch in March 2021. And if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com, and then stay tuned for our launch emails coming very soon. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. 
Mike Koble was a very mediocre basketball player growing up. He played a couple years of AAU and high school basketball, but never really was anything beyond average. Injuries, surgeries, poor nutrition, a lack of sleep, a less than stellar environment, and a crappy attitude all contributed to his lack of success. The problem was, he didn't realize all of this growing up. He didn't have a mentor to guide him and had no idea how to develop anything that resembled a productive plan. After studying exercise science at Western Michigan University and interning with the strength and conditioning program for men's basketball, Mike realized that he wanted to contribute back to the development of young basketball players off the court so they could be their best on the court. This is the origin of Koval Hoop Strong. Today, Mike owns and operates the Koval Fitness and Koval Hoop Strong in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where he works with and mentors high school and college basketball players. Mike also helps his adult population live healthier and happier lives through his training and lifestyle coaching. Man, Mike is absolutely one of my favorite people. I believe he was IFAST intern number four and a guy that I just have a tremendous amount of respect for knowing where he came from, knowing those humble beginnings that he started with, and to see his rise, to see his evolution as a coach, man, I couldn't be happier and more proud of this guy. And in this show, we're going to break it down. We're going to talk about sleep. We're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about formulating a game plan for the high school athlete and making sure that they get the absolute most out of their bodies. So really awesome episode. I think you're going to love it, but enough for me. Let's do this. Mike, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Excited to have you back on. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me back on, Mike. I know it's, God, man, it's been, what, about it's, three, four years? I was thinking it's been closer to four, dude. It's been a minute. Yeah, so, so yeah, so it's been about four years since I was last on. I'm a personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach in Ann Arbor, Michigan. You know, I work with athletes, but truth be told, most of my clientele is, you know, what we would call gym pop, so your adult yep. clientele. But the athletes I do work with, you know, it's primarily basketball players. You know, that's intentional by design. It's what I'm most passionate about. And yeah, I have a lot of fun doing that. I love it, man. So talk to me. Obviously, a few things have changed <laughs> in the last four years just in the world. But what's new in your world, man? What's what's changed with you? and What's new since you've been on the show last? Yeah, so I've had a lot, as I'm sure most people in our industry have had a lot of change over the last, you know, 10 months. You know, well, first off, I got married about huge three congrats. weeks ago. So thank you. Yeah. Um, so that was really exciting on a personal level. And then as far as the business goes, I, so those of you don't, don't know me, you know, I have a brick and mortar in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I had a full-time staff of, you know, four people I had two part-timers and then myself right before COVID hit. And obviously that changed everything up. So now back in you know September, I did a little bit of a pivot and kept two of my coaches that I had on staff and they became independent contractors. And then I downsized the company to just me. So now, you know, with it, with having the coaches as independent contractors, that helped me in the sense of like, I had, you know, some rent coming in on a monthly basis as they built their clientele. And basically like what I did for them was I had my clients that like I booked up my schedule and then whatever clients still were interested in coming back, you know, they could work with my other two coaches. So a lot of my other two coaches, it was a win for them because now they get to build their basically their own business yep. without all the the stress that you would initially have of going into a business where you're like cold calling and trying to get new leads. They, they didn't have to worry about that. They were already there. And, and our lease is up at the end of May. So that gave them about a nine month period. And now I'm back to coaching, you know, before COVID, 
I was maybe doing like eight to 14 hours a week of coaching. Now that's, you know, up to 35, 36 hours a week of coaching every single week that I'm doing mostly in person and then a few hours here and there online. It's awesome, man. And so, so yeah, it's a big, big, big change. And then I'm building out like the online side of things for my business as well. Right now I'm kind of like in limbo trying to put it, figure out if I want to focus purely on adults right now for the online stuff, or if I want to look at the athlete side of thing and specifically like with basketball players. So, you know, that's where like the Cobalt Hoop Strong brand comes into play. I'm basically taking like what I do with my basketball guys in person and be able to figure out how I could translate that to like an online platform so that I can help more basketball players out specifically focused on like high school basketball players that have, you know, that the dreams and aspirations to play, you know, in college. Yep. That's awesome, dude. You'll have to let me know like how that works out because I guess maybe it's me, some sort of self-limiting belief, but I feel like it's really hard maybe to get like, especially high school kids to commit via like Instagram or something. You know what I mean? So you'll have to let me know how that goes. I'm with you hundred percent on that, man. It's, it's definitely a challenge, honestly. Like it's, with everything that I got going on with the gym in person right now, I've kind of put that on the back burner a little bit. So like, if you follow me at all on Instagram, you'll notice I haven't made a post in probably about three weeks or so, (laughs) but that'll, that'll pick up once again, once I get, you know, my feet underneath me and we make all this transition with moving into the new space and, you know, I build things out with the online side of thing with adults, you know, that'd be something I'll explore a little bit further once I get that going. I love it, man. Okay, so obviously we've done this before, so I kind of want to dive right in. Yeah. And and as you alluded to, you work with a lot of high school athletes, and mm-hmm. you've been doing this for a while now, man. You were, I think, you were maybe like our fourth or fifth intern ever at IFAS, which is kind of cool. It also makes me feel old, kind of all at the same time. But you know, with that being said, and looking back over the time that you've been doing this, are there any trends, good or bad, that you're seeing when it comes to working with high school age athletes? Yeah. And I, and this is from my own personal experience. I, I honestly, I haven't talked to too many other coaches to see what their experience is like. And one thing, a good trend that I'm seeing is I'm getting more and more kids that are taking ownership of the process. So like, what I mean by that is I'll give you an example. I had a kid about a year and a half ago. He's about 45, 50 minutes away from me. Wow. And he, he went to, so where I went to high school, the high school he goes to is our rival. Okay. And so, and so his, his highlight tape popped up in my Twitter feed. I'm like, Oh man, small town kid. Like he's doing good. Like I'm going to like, I threw a like and I threw a follow. Cause I was like, you know, it's just small town kid. He goes to a rival high school. I hope he does well. I'm going to follow him. So then like, you know, the next day I got a DM from the kid saying, Hey, we're in Ann Arbor. Are you at like, what it was, how much is it to train? Like, what is the process of training? Like, you're asking me all these questions. Well, you know, he's like, I'm going to, it, it all ended with, I'm going to come in after the season's over. I was like, okay, you know, I've heard that one before. And then like three months later, he's like, all right, when can we start? And, and so like he took from the point of contact to, he just, he's not training with me anymore. Now he, he decided he had offers to go play in college. He decided not to go to college, but up until about three or four months ago, that whole process of him training, whether it be him showing up for his sessions, him paying for his sessions, him, you know, asking questions about his nutrition, his recovery, what he can be doing outside of the gym. That was all him. I I had the only interaction I had with his mom is when I would go to his games and, you know, we just talk. Right. Right. And so like the kids that take that ownership, those are the kids that are, that are getting the best results. And I'm just using him as one example. He's not the only example. You know, I had another kid that just started with me in July that was, you know, post-op ACL basketball player, junior year, tore his ACL before the season started his sophomore year. And, you know, I've, I've had a little bit of interaction with his dad. His dad's been mostly just like chiming in when he needs to, 
which mm-hmm. is rarely. And, you know, his son's been taking the lead on that and owning the whole process of coming in at five 30 in the morning on his own, you know? And, 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 you know, it's, it's rare to see that, but like, that's, that's a trend I'm seeing more common with some of the athletes I'm working with is they're taking a lot of ownership with their own training product, not only just the training, but everything that comes with that. And part of that's like, not just them knowing that that's a part of the process as far as nutrition and mindset and all the things that go into the development of them being an athlete, but just has having conversations or, you know, a little mini education sessions in between sets or whatever it might be that they're picking up on this stuff and they're, and they're really taking it the extra mile. So that would be like a really good trend that I see. As far as bad trends, I, I don't know that I necessarily, you know, I used to be like when it, especially when it came to the process of working with athletes, I used to be more cynical when I was younger. <laughs> and so like I've gotten, I've gotten away from that and started seeing a lot more of the good that comes along with it. I know that like one of the things is, that'll always be a trend is just competing demands Yeah. as far as, you know, like being able to get the kids in. And sometimes it's not necessarily their responsibilities as far as, you know, they have extracurriculars or their extra sports. It might even be the parents of thinking like, you know, I've had parents say like, well, you know, little Johnny can't come in for the next two or three months because it's baseball season and lifting weights is bad for, you know, his shoulder. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, uh, I'm like, uh, you know, and I try to have those conversations and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But I mean, like outside of that, you know, I, I haven't really noticed too many bad trends. I've been mostly seeing more and more good come out of this as time's gone on. That's cool, man. That's cool. It actually kind of lends itself well to my next question, because, you know, when I think middle high school age kids, we're definitely not talking fully formed humans yet. Right. And we always have a human first. Then we have an athlete. So when we're talking about these young humans that you're trying to build up and you're trying to educate, I'd love to know what you're seeing with regards to their nutrition. Is this an issue that you're seeing or an issue that you have to deal with on a regular basis? Yeah, I mean, I I mean, the funny thing is, is like and I I think we we do as coaches like we'll look at the, uh, the nutrition of an athlete different from an adult, which it definitely can be. But I mean, as far as like bottom line, we're looking at behaviors and habits and it's really not that much different than working with an adult because most people that are going to come see you as an adult, chances are they're not taking care of business in that department. So with the nutrition, it sounds cliche, but it's all a matter of meeting the kid where they're at. So like I might have a kid come in and maybe maybe like nutrition's not even on the radar right now. Like I put it in the back pocket, I put it in my notes, like we'll talk about this down the road. Or I'll use like a passive way that I can start the, the education process of nutrition. So like I got like a, I, on an app, I've got, I've got a program on there called, <laughs> I call it the Big Body Challenge. <laughs> so the Big Body Challenge, basically it goes over, it delivers like daily lessons for about a month and a half that are all based on nutrition, recovery, and mindset. And so then that way, it's like a passive way for them to get, you know, I, I don't make these lessons any more than two minutes long because I understand like the attention span, not not just of a kid, but just person in general, you know, it's yes. very short and they got all these competing inputs coming through every single day. And it's like, I got to, I got to position myself as worthy of their time for them to actually, you know, dive in and look at something like that. So like, if it's a kid that maybe nutrition is like really off the radar, I'll put them on something that's passive, like that big body challenge. So they can, they can at least see that over the next month and a half, start to realize like, wow, this stuff's pretty important. And then we can start that after they get some training under their belt, you know, maybe they come in two times a week for the first month and a half, you know, their confidence started to build, they're feeling stronger. And 
and they're starting to say to themselves like, oh, this is, you know, this is worth my time. I'm seeing results. Then we can start to further that, that discussion. There's all the kids when they come in first thing, like we're ready to go on nutrition side of things. Like I just had a, a kid start up like a couple of weeks ago, his water intake. I think he was drinking roughly, you know, between 30, 40 ounces of water a day. So, you know, the first thing we looked at with him, you know, we're having a discussion. I'm like, okay, you understand water intake is important. He's like, yes. And we, you know, we had a little talk about that. I was like, well, what about, what about if you just had, you know, your water, a glass of water, or a water bottle sitting right there on your nightstand. So when you roll over first thing in the morning, you just grab it and you slam it. And he's like, well, I already have a water on my nightstand. I said, perfect. I was like, <laughs> I was like we're making this easy now. Right. So we're setting your environment up for you to have success. And then your environment's already set. Now it's just a matter of, you know, creating that awareness, that trigger, like we had that conversation and, you know, he's been killing it ever since as far as his water intake goes. So it's, it's going to vary kid to kid based on needs where they're at. Like I just had another kid, you know, he's ready. He's been training with me for about a year and a half or no, no, a little over a year, actually, you know, during that time he's put on about 23 pounds and looking a lot better, a lot, lot, lot more athletic, but now it's, he's, he's having the mindset of like, okay, me playing football at the next level is a real possibility. And now he's ready to take that next step. Now it's like, okay, you got to put on about another, he's only a sophomore, so he's still got a couple of years, but it's like, okay, you got about another like 25, 30 pounds to put over on the, over the next couple of years for your position to play at that level. Like he's ready to commit to that. So I, he was in last night. I'm asking him, Hey, any implementation on the, uh, the changes that we talked about last Friday? He's like, yeah. He's like, I've been smashing steak and eggs for breakfast. I like all week long. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man, there nice. we go. There so we go. So, so those are just like a few examples of like, you know, I hate being cliche by saying, you know, meet the kid where they're at, but I mean, it couldn't be more true. You know, we just take it kid by kid. I love it. I love it. So maybe along those same lines, sounds like, you know, you're meeting them where they're at with regards to nutrition. Is it the same thing when you're talking about sleep and recovery as well? Are these things that are even on their radar or those discussions that you have to kind of like be their parent and be like, Hey, you know, four hours of sleep a night isn't cutting it. Yeah. Again, it'll vary kid to kid. Like there's some kids, like when I, I got some kids that don't play video games and it just blows my mind. I'm like, that's awesome. Like wow. <laughs> not, not, not coincidentally, I don't think they're also committed to go play division two basketball next year. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm sure that, that, that is, you know, that cuts it, the video games I see just from hearing the kids talk about it and just, it, you know, it, it cuts into their sleep time, big time. So, and, and if they're not doing video games, like on a lower level, it'll be like the cell phone, you know, staring, <laughs> staring at that until they go to sleep. And I'm laughing because I had a flashback to like a year ago, I had varsity basketball team I'm working with. And one of the kids is like, he's like, Hey, Koval. He's like, when I wake, wake up in the morning, he's like, my back hurts. And I'm like, well, how do you sleep? He's like, well, I'm laying face down and I'm looking at my, I'm watching YouTube right until I go to sleep. And so he's like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's laying prone all night long nice. with his neck cranked back. I'm like, yeah, we might, uh, we might want to change that up. So, yeah. So, I mean, again, it's all about where the kid's at and like in the situation where it's like video games or, or something like that, that's interfering with a sleep and recovery. Like I don't sit there and hound them. Cause like, I get what it's like to be a kid, but I, I will say my piece, just let them know like, Hey, you know, like you guys want to make sure like, instead of going to bed at two o'clock in the morning, how about we go to bed at 1230, you know, right. type of stuff like that. Like it's still not the best scenario, but if we could just make small improvements, I consider that a win. Yeah. Improved, and I, and I'll, I'll, improved over optimal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll also tell the other thing I see too, is like through no, it's been different since COVID hit and like most, at least around my area, schools are either exclusively online or they're doing a hybrid model. 
yep. of online and in person. And, but prior to that, these kids would get so overloaded with homework that like they're up till like 1231 o'clock at night and then they're waking up at six. You know, I tell parents, I'm like, look, I was like, if your son or daughter, they want to sleep till noon on the weekends, let them. Like right. they, they need that badly. Cause like, they're still, their body's going to respond to that in like in a favorable way. And if you're robbing that, you're robbing them of, of sleep during the week, because they got such a, a overloaded schedule. That's, that's a recipe for not so good things happening down the road. Yeah. I can't imagine what the sleep debt must be for some of these athletes. You know, yeah. when you hear about athletes that are just, just started working with a swimmer here and, you know, they train at like five thirty in the morning, five thirty six in the morning for an hour hour and a half, two hours after school on top of going to the gym, on top of homework, everything else. Like, yeah, dude, the sleep debt thing is real and you got to make up for it at some point in time. If it's the weekend is the only time you can do it, get it done, man. Yeah. Yep. So let's dive in, man. Let's talk a little bit of training. When you get a new kiddo in, what are some of the big things that you like to focus on? Like, give me kind of where your philosophy is at today, 2021. Yeah. So I, I put a heavy emphasis like on, you know, sensory motor aspect of training. So I uh, simply put, like, I want kids to feel the right things working when they're doing the specific movement. So if, for example, on a split squat, if I got them doing a split squat, I want them to be able to feel as they're absorbing the ground. I want them to be able to feel like their hamstrings. I want them to be able to feel their glute. Like I'm going to make sure that their foot's positioned in the appropriate position to make sure that they're be able to feel those things that I want them to feel so that we can slow those type of things down initially. Cause then once we progress into their program further down the road, then I want them thinking less about what they're doing. And now we're just, you know, we're just moving, we're moving, whether it's, you know, a, a relatively heavy load or if it's a lighter load and we're moving that really fast, like I don't want them to have to think about that type of stuff. So it's extremely important to me that we, you know, get that stuff established like first thing in the first program. And I coach the hell out of them, like in that first program. I think that also helps kids understand at least the feedback I've gotten from the kids that I work with that helps them understand like what should be happening and that this is more than just simply doing a squat. Like, I mean, I think most athletes can look at it and they're thinking like, if I do a back squat, that's probably a good way to get stronger, but which generally speaking is true. But then we look at the nuance of it all and like how you do that back squat, or maybe a back squat's not even appropriate for you. You know, all that stuff matters and we need to figure out what is the best way to go about you know, taking that approach with that particular athlete. And so that they're developing at a rate that one is satisfactory for them, you know, two, so that they're continuing to progress down the road. Because if I give somebody something that they're not quite ready for program one, program two, or any, anywhere down the lines with any of their programs, if I give them something that they're not ready to adapt to, or maybe I give them the right exercise, but I'm, but I'm putting them in a position to not to execute it properly to get the, you know, the adaptation that we're looking for, that I'm doing them a disservice. And that might kill their confidence. It might make them lose their trust in me. It might make their lose their trust in the process of, of training. And so I'm very conscious of that early on. And then, you know, we just do, you know, just high reps. I mean, we're going like reps of 12 to 20 in that first program. And I'll tell the kids too, because obviously as fatigue accumulates, like, you know, technique can break down. So I tell the kids like, Hey, if you get, you know, eight reps into this or whatever, your ninth rep and you start to feel your technique falter, stop, catch your right. breath, collect yourself and then go back. And so we could do like basically like extended cluster reps, you know, for that, for that initial program. So that's, that's generally like in a nutshell, that's, that's what I like to focus on early on. Cause it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the program and, and it lets the kids know how much those little details of, you know, if I, if I just change, 
you know, if I put more weight on the instep of your foot and you're pushing into the ground with your big toe more, you feel your, you know, your adductor and your know, glute med light up when we do that, like that, that's beneficial for you. Cause then you can understand like how that's going to play into like when you push off laterally, like on a defensive shuffle or something like that. Yep. Yep. No, I love it, man. So one thing that that's interesting to me, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but like one of the things that I see is that just the role of strength training with athletes has evolved a lot. And, and granted, I've been doing this like 20 years, but I'm talking in the last three to five years, yeah. there's been this massive shift in how people look and view strength training. So I'm interested, what role do you feel like traditional strength or weights training should play in a program with a high school athlete these days? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, it, I think it still plays a huge role in the athletes that we train because it's going to, there's going to be a lot of trainable qualities that can be developed by utilizing those, you know, traditional lifts. I think it's just, it goes back to like how we implement them mm-hmm. that matters the most. Right. Yep. So like trying to think of like an example specifically, but like, all right. So like I have, if I'm, if I'm trying to build like uh, you know, we'll keep it general just say explosive strength with an athlete. Like there's a lot of different type of drills and, and exercises and lifts that I could use to, to achieve that. I might have, like, if I had, like, for example, let's say we're going to do like, (laughs) this is my velocity based training that I use. (laughs) So we'll, we'll say like, like a a speed trap bar deadlift, for example, I might have an athlete where we do a set of five and the goal is to use a heavy load that allows you to get that under, you know, five, that five reps in under five seconds. Yep. And so, you know, I'm using like a handheld timer. And, you know, we're, we're time. That's, that's how right. we do it. Like we don't right. have any fancy technology or anything like that, but along those lines, like one, does it, can the kid, like, can they create a position in that starting position where they're creating enough pressure, intrapelvic pressure to drive that force upward and not have the hips raise up in that trap bar deadlift. So maybe, maybe what I do to bias them towards that a little bit, maybe I put them on a little bit like a five to 10 degree slant board so that now, now we can create that propulsive position of the foot so that now their foot's in the right position. Now the pelvis can be in the right position. And now we can get that desired result where the hips aren't rising up. We're actually getting good leg drive as we shoot up and, and lift the weight. And now we've created a different effect with that trap bar deadlift, as opposed to if like, I didn't use that slant board and they would shoot their hips up whenever they would do that, that, right. that, that movement. Right. So I can think of like a traditional lift and then I can bias these athletes towards whatever position they need to be in to get the desired effect. I love it. I love it. And, and I think that's, that's, what's cool about where we're at now. Like there are very few sacred cows. I mean, there's still going to be always that, that old school coach that's just like squats and milk, you know, like, and, and that's fine. Like not to say there's not a place for that, that coach, but it's cool to see the evolution to where now weights are a tool, but they're just that. They're just a tool and we're not slave to any one specific lift or exercise routine. Like we're way more into understanding the principles and then using those principles to write and develop better programs that ultimately give our athletes and our clients better results. Yeah, it's it's fun, man. I mean, like because there's there's a lot of I mean, there's so much there's so many ways to do things. And, and then there's not I wouldn't say there's like obviously like there's definitely ways you could do things wrong. But like, that's where, like, I see a lot of times online where everybody gets into these debates and arguments and it's like, how, why are you debating somebody that believes their system is the best and it works? Like, you're not going to change their mind. Just let them do their thing. If they believe it works and their, and their athletes or their clients buy into what they do, 
good for them. Right. And you just focus on yourself and like whatever you're learning, continue to learn, interpret it in your own way and apply it how you see fit. I think we could all get along a lot better that way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So true. So true. Well, something else that, that I know you're really passionate about is coaching movement. And especially, you know, this is something I think you and I have both taken to heart over the years is trying to better understand how to coach speed and agility. So we kind of touched on weights. How big of an emphasis or how big of a role do you place on coaching or programming speed and agility into your program? Yeah. So the speed, the speed aspect I started. So since COVID uh, happened, we're like in a 300,000 square foot building. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So we get like, we got like companies like IBM in there and they got 1200 employees and you know, there's a handful of other companies in the building. So there's always a lot of foot traffic through the building and the hallways. Well, now that COVID happened, that foot traffic has dropped dramatically. Sure. So the hallway that we got next to the gym, that's probably about 50 yards. Granted, it's just a piece of carpet uh, over a slab of concrete, but yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's a hard surface, but now I've got 50 yards of stuff that we can do to work on top end speed. So that's been a nice little, one of the nice things about COVID right. <laughs> is now, like, now I got a little sprint area. So prior to that though, it was mostly just change of direction type of work that I would do with our basketball players. And I mean, like, yeah, looking at that, like looking at how movement plays a role in that. And I may have even talked about this on the last time I was on here. I can't remember if I did or not, but breaking it down, I know like we talk about like something like that, where it's change of direction, you know, reactive strength, explosive strength, like those type of things we don't really want to internalize. We're not using internal cues because we're not going to get the desired outcome. But I've found breaking those movements down chunk by chunk or piece by piece if an athlete is struggling and giving them internal cues to focus on and then bringing it back to the bigger picture and applying that to the, to the actual drill is, has a ton of success for the athlete. Yes. So the movement aspect still plays a big role and it's still like, it's not like, like we program program one to focus all on movement and that solves all our problems for all the future programs that we do. We'll still have to break things down when appropriate, depending on the type of drill that we're doing. And, you know, I, I use a lot of video like with, with the kids. So like I'll, I'll record them doing something incorrectly. I'll show them because I just found this more effective than, you know, me demonstrating, I, like they can have that visual feedback of themselves doing the drill. And then I'll show them what I want them to do and then record that. And then I'll, I'll compare the two. And I, it's a great way for, in my opinion, to build trust because then they know like when I'm given a, a cue for a particular lift or exercise drill, whatever it is, and they can feel that difference. They know that like, I'm not BSing them. Like they're actually right. getting like, you know, they're getting coached for the purpose of one, not only moving better, but also performing better. I love that, man. Yeah. And I, as you were sitting here, I was just nodding my head because that's one of the big things that I have always emphasized. I feel like in my strength training programs is using the weight room as like an environment to do things slow and controlled and feel whatever you need to feel, right? Whether it's joint positions or muscles firing, like it can help you build the whole in what we would consider to be a more optimal fashion, right? Like I love Lee Taft and Lee's very adamant in the sense that, hey, you know, there's very few mistakes in movement, right? Like, especially in sports, like the body's going to do what it has to do mm -hmm. to get a certain outcome. And I agree with him wholeheartedly, but that's not to say we can't look at a movement and say at the same time, like there's probably a better or more efficient way we can do this. Right. And, and that's the great thing. Like you said, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's with some of these lower level drills, Man, there's just so many things that we can do to make our athletes more effective. So, man, I love hearing that you're doing that stuff as well. Yeah. Yep. Okay. 
So last but definitely not least, I feel like when it comes to all athletes, managing fatigue is a huge piece of the puzzle. So I'm interested, how do you help your athletes find that blend between training with you, practicing, and games on top of all the other stuff that they have going on in their lives? Yeah. So, I mean, as far as like trying to balance that all with training with me, it's very rare that I'll tell a kid train less with me. <laughs> so, so, cause like, right. cause then it's, it's more so like, cause then we look at it, like I want it to be, I want it to be that something that's uh, like one, a lo- lifelong habit, even after they're done playing. Right. Yep. And so I don't necessarily want to tell them like, okay, like you shouldn't lift. Cause I feel like that's a very general thing to say. Yeah. So like a, an example would be like last night, I had a kid that I mentioned earlier that was a post-op ACL that started training with me in July. So he's in last night and I don't know, are they doing high school basketball in Indiana right now? Dude, I don't even know. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Yeah. So Michigan, we haven't started. We, they just literally started tryouts last Saturday. Oh okay. my gosh. Yeah. 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 You guys and are so, like months behind us, which well, is crazy. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous, man. But like, so now they're in season. So I changed, like I got him starting off his, his day one, he's doing tempo lifts. So he's doing three second eccentrics followed by, you know, three second concentric. And he calls me out. He goes, Mike, I thought, uh, I thought you said you never wanted us going up slow on the way up. And I, <laughs> and I go, I go touche. I did say that, but I was like more so to demonstrate a point of like, I wanted to emphasize that like when we were doing that particular lift that you have to move with speed. I was like, now that you're in season, like this is going to be more like recovery stuff. Like you're going to be feeling the muscles working and burning a little bit more than you would before. Whereas, you know, before he was doing, you know, we were doing a lot of cluster sets and and things like that and put more of an emphasis on his reactive strength and and explosive strength. So like in that scenario, the reason why I was telling that story is like, I, I, I adapt the program to where the kid is at with everything else that's going on outside of training with me. Gotcha. And so, and so like, that's, that's something like, you know, like the kid that, you know, realized he's got a real chance of playing division two, II, division one football in college that I referenced earlier, like his program, even though he's in, he's in basketball season, that's about to start up like his, his program, he's going to up the frequency of his program, him uh, and, and the type of training I'm going to have him do is going to change a little bit. I got to manage his fatigue a lot more, a lot more closely than I would the other kids. Cause now it's like, basketball is is something he really enjoys and, and he's a good ball player but football that's the priority right and so now now i gotta shift i gotta i, I gotta manage his fatigue a little bit more so that'd be a little bit more interaction with him he's still only 15 years old so it'd be a combination of interacting with him and dad and, and, you know dad was a d1 football player actually he was a ball state alone really yeah man uh sure yeah sure. yeah so most of the time, what I do is I just adapt the program to whatever's going on with the athlete outside of the gym and the kids. Cause I got kids that come in at least twice a week, no matter what point of the season it is. And that's, and that's just conversations happening. Like, hey, how are you feeling? How, how was, you know, how did you play in your tournament this past weekend? Were your knees holding up? Okay. How was your low back, et cetera, et cetera. And then I can use that information to adapt to whatever I need for, for the kid. See, see, I love that. And it's counterintuitive because most people would say, Oh, well, I want to see you less, but you know, look, and I hate, hate to, to say it like this. So I'm going to use a Joe Kim quote. Joe Quinn used to always say, who's the smartest guy in the room? I am. (laughs) And and he said that in the sense that, Hey, look, like nobody's going to take better care of you than I am. Nobody's going to have a better sense of how your body works than I am. And it's the same thing for us, right? Like basketball coaches and asking, Hey, Johnny, how are your knees? 
How's your back today? Do you feel overtrained? Are you getting enough sleep? Like most sport coaches aren't thinking that way. So when we get them in, this is our time where we can help them. And even if it's in season, okay, maybe we're not banging heavy squats and stuff, but hey man, we're going to jump on the roller. We're going to do some resets and some breathing exercises, get some motion back. We're going to loosen you up. We're going to do just some full range of motion stuff. So you're getting, you know, just like this really good kind of like flushing effect send you on your way so that you can continue to play at a high level the rest of the season. So I love that approach and I'm glad to hear you're having success with it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So starting to pull this all together here, you've already answered the big question before. So I want to go a different route. Mm -hmm. And I love this too, because I remember when you were fresh out of college, sitting at IFAST 1.0, thinking you probably made the worst decision of your life coming to hang out with Bill and I every day. (laughs) So I want to know now you've been in this game, man, 11, 12 years, young coach comes to you and asks for one piece of advice to help them be successful in this game over the long haul. What do you tell them? This is great for them because I'm going to give them two pieces of advice. Ooh, um, even better. Don't compare yourself to others and be patient. That was that was like the – I remember I remember Eric Otter came in as an intern right after me. And Otter, Otter was – he got he, – I remember like as – like he literally started like about two weeks after I – or no, he was a, a semester after me. Yeah. But like he – I don't know if you remember that powerlifting meet that him and Lance did like in the middle yeah. of a cornfield. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that very clearly actually. So, so, so I remember like he – we went out to dinner after that and like, he, you know, he was well-polished even back then. And so I'm thinking like, man, I was like, I gotta, I gotta be Eric Otter. I gotta be Eric Otter. I gotta be Bill Hartman. I gotta be Mike Robertson. And like, I carried that with me for at least, you know, two to three years after I was done with my IFAS internship. And then it finally kind of started to get more comfortable in my own skin after a few years. And even, you know, especially now it's like my whole approach has been, you know, learn, like, like I'm reading a lot of stuff and watching a lot of stuff and just conversations with Bill and, you know, everybody knows how in depth Bill can go and how brilliant he is. I don't put that pressure on myself that I'm going to be Bill. It's right. like, I'm going to take that information. I'm going to digest it the best I can, interpret it in my own way, whether that's right or wrong. And I'm going to start applying it to the way that I see fit. And then I'll get feedback as far as from what I see from my coaching sessions. Is this effective or not? Yep. And then uh, as far as being patient. You know, that was a, another thing early on. And even even now, still, I ain't going to lie. Like, I still dive into too many things at once. <laughs> not, right. not, near, not nearly as much as I used to. But just having that mindset of, like, you got to know everything is, like, a poor way to go because you'll never know everything. And actually, as you learn more, you're going to feel like you know nothing. So, right. you know, it's, 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 it's something to just avoid put, doing your best not to put that pressure on yourself and just kind of enjoy the process and... You know, if you're invested in it, you'll find out pretty quick whether how, if, you're, if this is a long-term investment for you or really your passion. Because I've, I've seen a lot of guys and, and, and girls like since I started that once upon a time were really, really, it seemed like they were really heavy, heavily invested in this. And then they, you know, they chose to go another direction. And, it, and it's, it's a tough industry. It is. It is. But that's great advice, dude. I love it. Okay, my guy, last but not least, we got our lightning round. So mm-hmm. five fairly short questions. Your answer can be as long or short as you like. All right. All right. I'm trying to keep it short. All right, man. Here we go. Number one, this is tough, but this is like your decade-long check-in. What's your career highlight so far as a coach? Oh, career highlight. I, I can't point to one thing in particular, but I will tell you one thing. This might be advice more than anything, is 
when you don't feel you may feel like you're not making that big of an impact, but oftentimes we have no idea. So the example I give you is I had last year, I had three athletes in a span of about two weeks, either their parent or they themselves told me that they wanted to do like be involved in the sport, strength and conditioning world because of how much of an impact like working with me had on them. And I, I mean, like that, there's no feeling like that. Right. I had another, <laughs> I had another kid the other day. He's like, he's like, yeah, Mike, my, uh, I got some of my buddies are trying to, uh, get in shape. So I wrote him up a program. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, they're coming over to my house. This will be the second time they're coming over to my house to work out tonight. I'm like, that's cool. His name is Cole. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, he's like, I'm calling it Cole Vol. I'm like, Oh, nice. Oh my dude. Gosh. You got nice. 18 years, 18 years old. And you got dad jokes already. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, just like, just knowing that like you have that big of an impact on, on somebody's life and, you know, they're, you get that feedback like that, that, that's, that's, that's always nice. And that's always, you know, it gives you a, it gives you the energy that you need when maybe sometimes, you know, things aren't going the way that you want them to. And it's just a good refresher and reminder that you're doing good things. For sure. Okay. Number two, I know you're like me, you're always into some sort of con ed. What are you diving into these days? Mostly Bill stuff. I'm reading through Pat Davidson's new book. And you know, from a training's perspective, that's pretty much it right now. Just those Bill, Bill, Bill stuff's ongoing. Yes. You know, and then, and then Pat's book. And then I, I like Pat's book because it kind of, it was a nice challenge or like kind of a call out for me to reassess how I categorize and write my programs. Okay. Have you um, finished it? I've got about 50 pages to go. Okay. But I mean, like, I'm also like, I'm re I don't read books straight through. Like I'll stop and then I'll gotcha. like start implementing like wh while I'm reading the book or I might read a piece of information and then I go on a rabbit hole dive and, you know, dissect yes. that further too. So yeah, I got about 50 pages left, which means it'll probably take me about another week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Number three, total switch of gears. Who's your favorite basketball player you're watching these days? Mm, man, that's an unpopular answer. <sighs> Kyrie Irving. Uh, I know, man. He's nice. I, still, he's nice, bro. I know. Like the dude, it's like, it's art, man. When he has the ball, the things he does, yeah. it's just, it's just like, you just sit there. I can't think of anything more relaxing than to sit there with no sound on and just watch him play. Dude, he's killer, man. But if anybody knows me, I have a history of liking toxic players. So Stefan Marbury is my favorite player of all yeah. time. I almost threw a Starberry question in here, but I thought we might've talked about him last uh, time. We did. I mean, usually I get made fun of. Dude, uh, he was one of my favorites growing up. Like top dude. five favorites growing up. Loved watching yeah. him. And, uh, AI number two. Oh yeah, yeah. Jamal Crawford's in there, but I went. Jamal Crawford wasn't like he's been good everywhere he's went. Yeah, the one the, the oddball in my top five is Chauncey Billups because like he's okay. just like the anti of all those guys. But winner, what a big win, shots a winner. winner, big shot, dude. I love Chauncey. I love it. Okay, number four. Any predictions on the NBA season? I hate to say this, but I think I, I don't know how the Lakers lose. <sighs> Please no. The Nets jail. The Nets gel. They just outscore them. I think it, the Nets. The Nets can work if Kyrie's not there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hate saying that. Like yeah. I can be honest about it, but I, I mean, like really, I mean, like I think it works if he's not there. I don't know if last night was any indicator, but you saw they lost to Cleveland. Yeah, who played eight guys in double overtime, and they had Durant, Harden, and Irving last night. Yeah, I don't know. The regular season means nothing to me in basketball anymore. It's, so long. They're just yeah. trying, yeah. Especially right now, like, yeah. Let's let's see where everybody's at and how they're playing in April. 
but yeah. Damian Damian Lillard's probably like dude. He's he's a, he's like one B. So Kyrie oh one A, Damian's one B. Okay, so like Kyrie, I can get behind just on sheer skill. It's all the extracurricular stuff that gets annoying. Yeah, Dame is just a boss, dude. Dude, that yeah. his his mindset and like his just I love it, dude. When a guy's going to come at you full tilt or come off a, a pick and roll 30 feet from the bucket and just pull with extreme confidence, that dude's, he's nice. He's yeah. nice. Yep. Okay. Last but not least, number five, what's next for Mike Koval? Getting transitioned in the new space. I mean, it's still kind of an adjustment period, even though, you know, we made this switch back in September of, of transitioning to where it's just me now. You know, we're getting towards the end of the lease. I'm looking for new space. So getting transitioned into the new space, growing things online, continuing to make an impact and, you know, the development of basketball players is a big thing for me. I mean, I'll always do that in person locally. You know, the goal with online is to take that and scale it on a bigger level. And yeah. that's going to, you know, I, I'm very aware that it's going to take some time and very good strategy to do that. But, you know, eventually I'm going to get, I'm going to get there and, and get that message out there. I love it, man. Mike, it's been great catching up with you today, man. Let's not make it four years next time before we do our next show. Uh, Sounds good. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the amazing work that you're doing? Uh, yeah, you can go on my Instagram. So I got two. I got Koval, at Koval Fitness and then I got at Koval Hoopstrong. I'm on Facebook, Mike Koval. Feel free to shoot me a friend request. Uh, email Mike at AnnArborTrainer.com. Love it, man. Love it. Well, again, thanks so much for coming on the show, buddy. It was great having you. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. friend that does it for this week's show with mike sincerely hope you enjoyed it like i said up top man i'm just so proud of not only the coach that he's become over the last 10 11 years but probably even more so the human being because this guy just pours his time and his energy into his adult clients into his athletes and to see somebody like him giving so much to the people around him it just really it really warms the heart and makes you understand like this is such a powerful industry when it's done at a high level. So if you enjoyed this show with Mike, do me one of two favors. Number one, if you're not already, subscribe to the show right now today. It takes two seconds, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you consume podcasts, go there, subscribe now, so you know each and every week when a new episode drops. Number two, if you already subscribed, I appreciate it. Do something a little bit different for me this week. Just share this episode or share your favorite episode with a friend, a family member, somebody else in the fitness industry. It could be another trainer, another coach, another rehab professional. The grassroots kind of just spreading the word type marketing would be absolutely huge because my goal is to positively impact as many people as possible and to make this industry what we all know it can become. And the only way we can do that is to spread the good word. And if you found this show or another show very inspiring or motivating, pass that along to somebody else. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.